0: Welcome to CIO Leadership Live Canada. I'm Lee Rennick, editor of CIO.com, and I'm very excited to welcome Mary Fran Johnson, host of CIO Leadership Live, contributing author to CIO.com, and CEO of Mary Fran Johnson Media. Mary Fran has a deep history with CIO.com as the former editor-in-chief and executive director of programs, and is currently host of the CIO, CIO Leadership Live podcast series, which I watched yesterday, and it was absolutely fantastic. Over the past four years, Mary Fran has conducted over 100 interviews with CIOs and IT IT leaders, really talking about trends and the role of the CIO. So I'm so pleased to have Mary Fran here today with me today to chat about what she's learned in 2022, specifically around the future of work and talent. Mary Fran, welcome.
1: Great, thank you. Thank you, Lee. That was a lovely intro, and it is indeed Uh, The greatest passion of my professional life has been talking with CIOs, so I can talk about CIOs, you know, till the cows come home, I guess.
0: (laughs) Well, that's wonderful. Well, I really appreciate you joining us here today. Um, Mary Fenn, as you know, this series has been created to support CIOs and senior tech leaders in their business and leadership journey. And you've spoken to so many CIO leaders. So when we chatted, we decided to talk about the future of work. And in this case, what you've been hearing from top CIOs about how they plan to lead teams in this post, hopefully post-pandemic world. Can you talk about some of the trends or themes you've been hearing about in tech leadership?
1: Certainly. And I I think we are all hoping that someday we will be post pandemic. (laughs) But a lot of the CIOs that I talk with um, have accepted the reality that things have changed permanently for them in in their businesses and in the way they have a great a much greater deal of flexibility now in hiring and talent management and so there have been some definite upsides to all of the miseries around the pandemic which i think in their typical fashion cios are very geared to taking making the best of the current situation and kind of taking that bull by the horns right and let's let's talk first about leading their teams through the pandemic, because okay. I uh, that often would be my launch question as I've done these CIO leadership live conversations. We started the um, the original U.S. version of CIO leadership live, which is now replicating around the world, which is great. Uh, but we started in November of 2018. And the, my initial question was always that big picture view of your business and what's happening. Over time, that became, uh, you know, especially as the pandemic got full into swing in 2020, that question became, how are you coping? How are things going? And I ended up in a lot of conversations with CIOs about their gratitude for their staffs, the uh, ways that they were using flexibility, the um, ability to, to create a more hybrid and flexible workplace has been a, that, that is pretty much the centerpiece of a lot of the conversations around the future of work. Um, I think of someone like Ken Spangler, who is the CIO of the operating companies for FedEx. He has the unique position of having been CIO of all four of their major multi-billion dollar business units. And he told me that um, he quoted Rob Carter, who is the corporate CIO and probably one of the most famous American CIOs in existence today, And he quoted Rob to me and he said, "Uh, hybrids always win. So having a a way to approach the workforce in a hybrid way, it has just been very revitalizing for um, a number of CIOs. And when I looked back over some of my interviews in this past year of 22, I did see a lot of those themes repeating uh, sometimes at much smaller companies. And sometimes at the very large ones, you know, the, the greater flexibility that the future of work is really here now. We we refer to it as the future of work, but it's almost like here's how we're dealing with the present, because we think about what the future will bring and make changes right now. I totally
0: love that. The future of work is right now. I agree with you. I think so many of these implementations took place because of covid around hybrid work and now that's in place and i'm hearing the same thing i'm hearing cios saying you know we've done that we've built that out what will that change to will be interesting but right now i think most organizations have that set up it's operating well they're really in tune with their employees and staff around it so i i love that saying the future of work is really right now we're doing it yes. that's fantastic yes.
1: i appreciate well, that. When I, when I ask cios i say well assuming that the future of work is right now, what are you seeing that gives you hope for more of the future going forward? And what keeps coming up, especially in terms of the people on their staffs and their ability to hang on to the talent they have and to bring in new talent when their budgets allow, mm-hmm. it has a lot to do with the greater the greater levels of respect and connection that all of the CIOs I've talked with over the past year have felt from the, so, the other sides of their business. Um, one of my CIOs from Novanta, uh, uh, Sarah batanam she talked about how the infrastructure people and her really deep into the operations technical people were no longer seen as the plumbers, you know, as the people that were just there keeping the lights on. There was such a huge wave of appreciation for all of the technology rescues that the IT staffs were able to do, and I think it it has that that rising respect and regard between the people on the business sides and on the tech sides. I think that has continued to crest ever higher Mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of the businesses and the CIOs that I've talked with. Um, I know I was speaking with the CIO at U.S. Bank, which is one of the Mm -hmm. largest banks in the world. And that's uh, Dilip Venkatachari. And he talked about how large companies used to have the luxury of time and space to get things done and how all that disappeared with the pandemic, that the big disruptions that everybody has focused around have really driven the work cultures and made everyone, all of the CIOs are so much more aware of that convergence between the personal and professional lives. And they've responded, I think, extremely well across the, just across the whole landscape with how they respond to and connect with their staffs now. The business people certainly see CIOs and all of their technical people in a much, I I refer to it in, I think, in one of my columns as like a golden light, you Mm -hmm. know, where this golden light of attention was now on the technology staff and that appreciation that everyone has for what technology makes possible. Um, I think it was um, the, oh, the CIO at the Hartford, Deepa Sony in our interview said, well, the future of technology is the future of insurance, Mm-hmm. And so when that that kind of that sense of rising value, the inherent value of technology and companies has really taken hold, I think, in IT stuff. Oh, I'm
0: loving this discussion because I'm, I'm finding the same thing and I'm asking a lot of CIOs now, is your company a retail company? Is it an entertainment company or is it a technology company? Right. So, So and they're saying mainly technology, like we're moving more into technology.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I just
0: read some research about CIOs expecting that a certain percentage of their business would be based on the technology outcomes. But this yeah. conversation leads really well into my next question, which you know I wanted to build on because I, I really wanted to talk to you about what you're hearing about the changing role of the CIO as a people manager or leader. So you just touched on this a little bit, but you know I spoke to a CIO recently and discussed he discussed having to shift his leadership skills to to better understand people. He said in the past, you know, I implemented technology, that was what I did. I kept the as you said kept the lights on, kept things going. And he said now my role is really people first. It's about building my teams and ensuring that I have great teams working to output our technology and innovation. Yes. Um, so, what have you been hearing from CIOs about their their changing roles as a business leader? Um, yeah. when we chatted a few weeks ago. We talked about, or you mentioned the word empathy had come up a lot in your discussions.
1: I know it's the new it's the new e word. Uh, <laughs> it's all about empathy these days. In fact, one of the CIOs I interviewed this week, Tai Tashtepe from Cedar Fair M- Entertainment kept using all, another E word is empowering. Mm -hmm. I hear empathy and empowering our staff, empowering our people to speak up and ask for what they want. That has so much to do with the way they are managed as talent. And I noticed there were these words that kept coming up in my conversation with Ty, where it was empathy and communication and flexibility. And that idea of making sure everyone feels empowered to speak up for what they need and what they want. Mm -hmm. Um, I had uh, one CIO some months ago told me that he thought that the glass ceiling was really non-existent now at his company because, and he used an example of one of his VPs of software who had just had a newborn baby and just got promoted to VP of software because of that flexibility, the Mm. ability to be working from home and to do some sort of hybrid arrangement. Um, One of the, um, the to quote Ken Spangler again from FedEx, He talks so much about the communication and FedEx has always been kind of a best practices goalpost for a lot of smaller companies because they do such a bang up job and they're, you know, one of the Fortune 100 company and so forth. But Ken talked about how important it is, especially for CIOs and VPs and senior VPs to make sure that there's air in the room. Mm. That they are, their listening skills are mapping in with their empathy and their concern, and make sure that communication is two way. And I think that that is actually one of the huge ways that the hierarchy has flattened for IT organizations, probably for entire companies as well. It's much more commonplace now to be in a uh, town hall meeting with lots of your compatriots and people on the business side and people on the IT side, and to be finding yourself in a direct conversation, maybe with a CEO or somebody who's the head of a division that you never thought you would be interacting with, but that's been happening more and more. I mean, the way that we've integrated video technologies and the ability to have these conversations, I I kept having uh, CIOs who said that changes they thought would take 10 years we're taking two. And wow. that, kind of, that reverses a trend back in the 90s. I remember there was a famous quote from Bill Gates where he said, people always think a, te- a new technology is gonna take hold in two years and it takes more like 10. And I think what we've, we have seen in the last three to four years is that that's all reversed now. It's, it's just, it's kind of flipped on its head. Um, I also think of somebody like Danielle Brown, who is the CIO at Whirlpool, and she holds coffee chats where and they are sometimes in person, sometimes in person and on video. But she'll get eight to 10 people. And it's a way to uh, from all levels of the organization. And she talked about how much she learns in those conversations that investing the time to make these more personal connections that that's become a really important priority on her list. And I've heard that echoed across lots and lots of CIOs. I mean, no matter how, you know, a lot of these people are PhDs and they're Mm -hmm. patent holders and they're incredibly smart people, but they're also very introverted. It was not, they don't like networking and glad handing and they kind of shudder when they have to go to some of these conferences. I used to spend a lot of my time at our conferences at CIO, just encouraging people to talk to each other at their tables that everybody has kind of taken that on as a personal goal where they reach out now they're and that's them they're demonstrating their empathy they're they're realizing and acknowledging that the personal and the professional have converged and no matter how quiet or introverted or thoughtful you are you have to do that kind of intentional communication and um i think that everybody in the technology leadership field has just gotten a lot better at that over the last few years.
0: Oh, I I really appreciate that feedback from you on what you're hearing from the CIOs and just your own observations around that. And that really ties nicely into the next question, um, just around the talent shortage. So certainly in Canada right now, there's a talent shortage in tech um, and talent talent retention seems to be so important to the overall business planning. I just spoke to a CIO a few days ago who talked about um, actually, having a plan in place around retention, really understanding, as you said, what the staff needs are—that coffee, you know, culture that you talked about, picking up the phone and having those conversations, or doing the Zoom. Um, yeah. But could you talk about a little about some of the challenges and successes you've been hearing from CIOs about designing a work culture that supports talent retention?
1: Yes. Well, and one of my. Um favorite sayings over the years with CIOs has been that they care most about three big topics, leadership, innovation, and business strategy. That got a little scrambled in the last few years. And now when I ask people, you know, any CIOs, females, males, everybody, what's what's your big important thing? across the board. And number one is talent, talent management, talent challenges, talent retention. And I would often ask this question about, well, how do you, where do you find new talent? And everybody would turn it right back at me and say, I'd rather talk about how I'm keeping the talent I have. Mm. And that is unusual. When we've been talking about wars on talent and the, you know, how do you find the best talent? You know, that has been going on probably since before you and I were born, Lee. I mean, it goes way back. I can remember in my early days as a reporter at Computer World, having com- conversations with people at mid-sized companies about how tough it is to find technology. Mm-hmm. Any young person who asked me what field should they go into these days, I always say technology, healthcare or technology. It's so pretty much the future. It's that future that's right now for us. So I think that the talent, talent challenge has always been with it, with us. And I think what has changed now is that the um, that intentionality, that ability to make sure that people understand the mission and the culture of your company. I have a lot of conversations with CIOs about culture. Um, when I was talking with Sastri Dervasula, who is the um, CIO of TIAA, which is a forty billion dollar. It used to it started at life out um, as the Teachers Insurance Annuity mm. Association, and now it is. Is a uh, company that is, you know, it's $40 billion. He was talking about how important it is for them to continue to attract entry-level talent. And TIAA has an amazing intern program. They go to 50-plus different universities every year, and they bring in almost 100 interns at coll- college grads, uh, juniors and seniors. Other companies like FedEx have long been after that internship moving them into entry level positions. So I've been very encouraged at how many companies are either starting up or reviving um, these internship and apprenticeship type programs that probably fell off somewhat over the last decade or so. Um, I, and so many like Danny, Danny Brown, the CIO of Whirlpool that I mentioned, she talked about talent development as one of her long time passions. And every CIO I speak with has got a whole list of things that they're doing. And, um, they're not, you know, things that the HR department is doing. They are things that they are di- uh, directly involved in. Uh, Deepa Sony, who is the CIO at the Hartford, had talked about how she is, moving her entire staff to this engineering, her, the technology staff has a real engineering focus as they become a more data-led company, mm-hmm. and that they have such an emphasis on leading-edge technology. Which she, when she and I did our leadership live, she wanted to talk a lot about how the Hartford is a, ta- a tech, tech talent magnet. And I've heard that expression over and over. In fact, one of her one of her other compatriots, the CIO at Travelers Insurance, would tell you the same thing: that becoming a magnet for tech talent, um, the companies that are in industries that we tend to think of as a little less exciting, say than working for Google, you know, yeah, um, they want they want people to know. How supportive their culture is, how much they care about their upskilling and developing them as leaders. And also what incredibly cool AI and leading edge technologies and blockchain and cryptocurrencies. And I had I had one conversation with the CIO of the University of, uh, University of Miami Health Center. And I just, I've been, I always ask about enabling technologies or emerging technologies and what's coming. And I, <clears throat> I throw cryptocurrency in there just to see, you know, just like a few years ago, I used to throw in blockchain and nobody was really doing anything with it, but they were all looking at it. It. Um the cryptocurrency is a really big deal in Miami and so he can actually go out there and bring in data science talent and he looks for that sort of thing so i you know the cio world itself is just it's always changing they're always keeping up with the latest emerging technologies it's always worth throwing the question out I find to say you know what has surprised you in the last year and then the answers I get back I think so, show the incredible breadth of opportunity that exists now on their technology staffs and CIOs are not shy about expressing that and talking about it to people when you ask.
0: Well that's that is uh, great feedback. I appreciate that and it sounds like people are taking care to understand what their staff need really support yeah. talent innovation, looking at innovative ways they can bring talent in and retain them around new innovation yeah. and technology. Um, very, very great feedback to hear. So this next goes it goes right into our next question, which is very important to me. In fact, I do some volunteer work for an organization in Canada called HackerGal. They, I'm giving them a shout out in this, they uh, train girls uh, and just introduce uh, STEM and STEAM to girls um that are grade six to grade eight about technology and coding and, and all of that stuff so girls aren't left behind. So let's talk about DEI. Um, yes. I'm very passionate about it, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, I know it's challenging for some CIOs because you know a lot of this is wrapped into ESG and you know boards are making decisions on types of metrics and stats yes. they want what are you hearing any trends or steps from CIOs? Like what are they doing um, in their business and talent strategy
1: that supports long-term DE&I? I've actually found, Lee, that you can't really have a conversation about talent management challenges without touching on what is your organization doing? How are you working with Either if it's a bigger company, they probably have a vice president of diversity and inclusion. And how does the talent mesh with that? Because young people today are coming into companies and expecting to they have a lot of questions about how supportive the culture is, how diverse it is. I mean, this is not. Uh, it's not a distant concern anymore, I don't think, for anyone. And I think of um, Ken Grady, who is the CIO at IDEX. It's a, a veterinary uh, medicines company in Maine. And he had this wonderful quote during uh, one of our conversations that the CIO and the chief human resource resources officer the chief of hr are the most empowered developers and definers of culture in today's organizations and like so many cios ken takes the view these days that if not the CIO driving diversity onto our tech staff, then, Mm -hmm. or the rest of the the company, then who? And that is actually one of the really interesting trends I've seen over the past year or two, especially that CIOs and their um, chief of human resources, their CHROs are working much more hand in hand for that. Uh, Nathan Rogers at SAIC, a very big defense contractor in the DC area, they have a huge focus on DEI, and i and they have a vice president of DEI at uh, SAIC. Um, And then I mentioned, you know, Danny Brown a few times at at Whirlpool. She said that she is a a, a woman of color herself. And she said that as a black woman, she feels a real responsibility to use her position to empower and encourage diversity. Um, And I mentioned also Deepa Soni from the Hartford. She is a, a very active member of an organization called the T200. And it is a private group of, I think, well over 200 CIOs and uh, vice presidents of information technology who are all women. And they have uh, gatherings and they talk about the diversity approaches they're taking. Uh, There's just, uh, as you said, boards of directors are very interested in this. And I think that most CIOs would readily acknowledge that if you're not actively talking about it, and if you're not partnering with outside STEM organizations or uh, sitting on a board of directors for some of them. I know a number of CIOs that when they get into the board of directors part of their career, where they want to start giving back and also learning some of those governance strategies that help them in their their own careers going forward, a lot of them end up on boards for uh, STEM organizations, uh, there's so many of them these days. It's actually hard to give. Girls in Tech is one that's been mentioned a lot. And of course, the Girls Who Code,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: you probably see on, if you follow um, the CEO, uh, Tarika Barrett on LinkedIn, she not only writes about what's happening at Girls Who Code, but as constantly doing shout outs for different organizations that either partner with them or are launching these sorts of efforts themselves. So it's one those areas that it would be it, it would be almost a neglect of duty for CIOs not to be paying a lot of attention to it and I know whenever I bring it up in conversations we end up in a uh, to a whole lineup of organizations they're working with a lot of this ties into the internship programs as well
0: mm-hmm. yeah you're right and you know I really am happy to hear that things are moving along in this area, that there's a good focus on it, that there's partnership, because I, I truly believe, like you said, partnership with other organizations. We need to make sure girls are understanding what STE- uh, you know career in STEAM is, building that out. I think back to our previous conversation around, you know what is a company now? Is it partially a technology company? Then you wanna make sure you're obviously building your products and services for your diverse you know your diverse stakeholders, so I really appreciate wrapping up on that on that question. And thank you so much Mary Fran for joining me here today, you know, certainly you've had numerous conversations with CIO you're an expert. interviewer and you've worked in this sector uh, for many years, so I really appreciate hearing about some of the trends you've been hearing about in 2022 with your CIO interviews.
1: Great. Thank you so much, Liam. before I let you go, I just wanted to do one final shout out. That CIO I mentioned, Ken Grady um, from IDEX Corporation in Maine, he has launched a podcast uh, last summer called It's Not Personal. I did a whole show with Ken. He came on with his own leadership coach who works inside with the company, Seth Rigoletti. And this podcast is on all the major platforms. And it's all it's basically a leadership coach and a CIO Talking about how they're making their workplace more human, and the "it's not personal" part refers to how important it is to realize that working relationships are people to people, and that if somebody is mad at the IT department, it's (laughs) not—you know—it's—it's a problem to be addressed. Uh, It's a great series of podcasts, and the two of them are just wonderful uh, chatting with each other. And I think Ken is probably the very first CIO I know who's ever launched a podcast, so I want to make sure it's a big success. Us.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Well, we will actually share it here when we, we share out this segment. And um, if you do want to learn more about uh, our leadership live series, please head over to CIO.com, our YouTube channel, or you can visit us on LinkedIn at CIO online. And we also just wanted to wish everyone a healthy and happy holiday season. Best wishes from CIO.com.
1: Wonderful. Thanks for having me today, Lee. Thanks
0: so much.